Good morning. My name is Tom Shirk. If we haven't met, I would be happy to meet you. Some of you are here for the first time today. I just met someone and uh, appreciate that you're here today. We're in a study in the book of Hebrews, which is in the Bible, in the New Testament. And uh, this is a great day together to uh, look at chapter 11, 40 verses in chapter 11. 20 plus people referred to in what has sometimes been called the Hall of Faith, Israel's Mount Rushmore. It is the story of the people who had a resolute faith in God, and I think we need faith today. So I'm, I've been praying that as we look at this chapter, you will have faith that comes to life in you. Because we need faith when we don't know what the future holds. And how many of you know what the future holds? Yeah. Me either. Me either. And we need faith. But faith is not a wish. It's not a, well, I hope so. It's something much more profound. And all of us have challenges in our life which are going to be clear as we look at some of the stories in the book of Hebrews chapter 11 that they had challenges in their life as well. And it was in the challenge that faith came to life. If you didn't have challenges, you might not need faith in something greater than yourself. It still is right to trust in God even if everything's going swimmingly in your life. And the point of the chapter is to point us to that very truth, but most of us would say, everything is a big word. People always say, how's everything? It's like, it's too big a word, like to to say it's this way. It's all over the map in my life. I have a marriage, I have children, I have siblings, I have a job. I have people who work with me, people I work for. My life is big and complicated, and everything's too big. And I need faith in all the domains of my life. Part of the point of chapter 11 is to point to those who had a resolute faith in God. If you look at chapter 10 and verse 38, it is God acknowledging the reality of faith's necessity in our life. He says, but my righteous one shall live by faith. The writer of Hebrews says, we are not those who shrink back and are destroyed, but we are of those who have faith and preserve their souls. We are the ones who have faith and preserve our souls. Now, faith comes from hearing and hearing the Word of God. What happens in a spiritual experience in which we're going to open the Bible and you're going to listen uh, for a while and you're going to have your ears tuned sometimes and you'll be distracted, but I'm praying that when the Word is opened, a spiritual event occurs that is beyond my control and beyond yours, that the power of the Holy Spirit takes the Word of God and applies it to your heart in a way that I have no idea about because the Holy Spirit knows what you have need of. This is what we call the ministry of preaching. It doesn't rest on the preacher. It rests on the power of God and 
the receptivity, in some respects, of the listener. So in order for you to hear the message, your heart has to be ready. In order for you to grow in faith today, you'll have to hear, believe, and respond. And my prayer for you is that when you see what God did through faith, your heart of faith will grow. Because you need faith for your challenges. So let's pray together and ask God to help us. Our Father in heaven, I thank you that you are present in this room through the power of your Holy Spirit. We are broken people. We are people with needs, with tendencies that dishonor you. We need you today to come and speak to our hearts through the power of the word of God. And we pray that you will. I thank you that you do work through the opening of the word of God and the power of the Holy Spirit. So I pray that in this time together, you will lead us away from sin and to believe fully in who you are and to really anchor our hearts to trust in the Lord with everything we've got. And as we do that, we pray you'll begin to shape our lives to be more and more like Jesus so that he'll be seen in our life in the presence of a world that does not know him but needs to. And may we just be able to walk out of this room today hearts full of faith because of who you are. This is what we pray for in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay. So as I said, there are 20 or more people and groups that are mentioned in chapter 11. I contemplated extending the series in Hebrews for 20 more weeks so we could take each one. I can't do that this morning, but I want to look at a couple of them and then give you a number of truths that are true for them and true for you and me. Now, faith is not a Christian thing. Everybody has faith. Faith is a part of the operational system of being human. You have faith when you turn on the water faucet and you pour yourself a glass of water and you drink it without thinking. You sat down in that seat today and didn't think twice about whether it would hold you up. For most of you, it did. All right? When you go to a restaurant, you don't know who's cooking your food, but there is a level of trust that you have that that restaurant is going to prepare a meal for you. When you get in an elevator, you just get into this box and get closed off in it and you assume something. It is a level of faith. When you go to the hospital and you have to have surgery and you know you need something complicated being done to you and you don't really know your surgeon, but you trust him because you saw a certificate on the wall of his office at some time, and you hoped that he was not at the bottom of his class, but what, or her class, and you know, you, you have trust, that we all know that we couldn't do certain things ourselves, so we have to trust in others. So faith is not a Christian thing, but Christian faith is a thing that God does in the hearts of people. It's defined in verse 1 of Hebrews chapter 11, where it says, now faith 
is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for. The writer of this book opens up by a definition of faith with parallel statements. Popular Hebrew construction. Two statements that parallel one another that essentially say the same thing, very similar. They're nuanced a little bit, but it is the assurance of things hoped for. Assurance of all the promises of God. Assurance so that it's a real certainty. All of the both listeners of the writer of Hebrews and the subject of the content of chapter 11, they all believed God and believed his promises. They believed that God had spoken and that what God said would happen. They took God at his word. All the people who are mentioned in Hebrews chapter 11, this hall of faith of people who listened to God, did what he said, believed that what God said was going to come to pass. There was an assurance in their hearts that the promise God made was actually going to come to reality. This word assurance is the same word that we read in chapter 1 and verse 3 where Christ is the exact representation of the Father. So think of that. Faith is the assurance, or translated in 1-3, as the exact representation of the promise. What does that mean? The promise of God is this, but my faith is the same. In other words, if God said it, I can be assured that it's actually going to be happening. It refers to the essence and reality, not just the appearance of something. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for. Inside, I believe that what God said is true. Now, we're in church, so you do, right? You believe what God said is true? Okay. Because it's going to get convicting if you do. But there's more. It's the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. And the word conviction is like the evidence or it takes the assurance a little bit more to the point of living out what is held to be sure. So if I believe the promise and the word of God is the assurance, it's true, then the conviction is that I live on the basis of what I know to be certain. So I believe God, and then I live in light of it, the conviction. If God said it, I'm going to do it. Look at chapter 11, verse 7 for a moment, and then we'll just peek ahead at one of the examples, and that's Noah. By faith, Noah, being warned by God concerning events yet unseen, in reverent fear, constructed an ark. Now, that's conviction, Probably Noah had never seen rain before, and God said, it's going to rain, and Noah, I want you to build an ark. You know, what's an ark? It's a boat. Why do we need boats? We, okay, I will do it. Faith is the assurance of things promised and hoped for, and the evidence or the conviction of things not seen. Do you have faith in God? Martin Luther has this quote about faith. It's really awesome. Faith is a living, daring confidence in God's grace, so sure and so certain that the believer would stake his life on it a thousand times.
times. Like if God say that, I will do it. Now when we read some of these stories, Noah built an ark, Abraham left his country, Moses led the people out of Egypt. They're all celebrated as having great faith because they heard God's promise and acted on it. And then the conviction of what they knew in their hearts to be true, believed in their hearts to be true, led to a life change in who they were. Craig Blomberg has said more simply that faith means believing God's promises about the future despite the appearances of the present. I like that. A lot of people wrote good quotes about faith. It's believing God's promise about the future despite what it feels like today. I believe in God and I trust in Him. It's seeing the promises of God in such a way that it totally reshapes my life today. I believe what God has said about the future. I believe what God has said about the areas of my life that I'm struggling in. And so I have faith in Him that He's going to work in the midst of it and it will shape the way I live today in my life. Now, faith is um, misunderstood sometimes because it's like a feeling, but it's a certainty on what is true. And it's not so much the strength of our faith, because how many of you say you have weak faith sometimes? Yeah. I, I want to encourage you that that's, that's what we all have, weak faith. But it's not so much your faith that's in question in this chapter. It's not the strength of your faith. What is it? It's the object of your faith. Like we're imperfect. And we all stumble in many ways. And we're prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the one I love. My faith is weak, but my Savior is perfect. So, verse 6 tells me a little bit about the object. Faith is the uh, assurance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And without faith, it is impossible to please God. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that He exists and that He is a rewarder of those who seek Him. Faith pleases God, right? In, in, uh, here, here in our text, in verse um, 4, 5 actually, Enoch is an Old Testament character who was walking around and was taken up into heaven. And he never died. He just was taken up into heaven. And he's in this chapter as a hero of the faith. Why? Because it says he pleased God. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. There are two things that you need to understand here about God. And I think verse 6 underscores two things about him. Number one, God does exist. No matter what the fool would say in his heart, that there is no God. He exists, and he's the God of the Bible. He's not the grandfather up in the sky. He's not our ground of being. He's not the man upstairs. Like, there is a God, and he has defined himself. God spoke in many ways through the prophets in ancient times, but in these last days, God has revealed himself in his Son. He does exist, and he wants to be known. He has spoken to us. And secondly, he is a rewarder 
of those who seek him. So if you want to understand what it is that we put our faith in, it is God who exists and God who is a rewarder of those who seek him. God is a God of blessing and love and mercy and kindness. And he does want to be known by us. Again and again, the Bible says, Solomon told, uh, David told Solomon, if you seek with uh, him, if you seek him, he will let you find him. But if you forsake him, he will reject you forever. Jeremiah 29, if you seek me, you will find me when you search with me. Search for me with all your heart. And Jesus said, for whoever asks, receives. Whoever seeks, finds. Whoever knocks, it will be open. God wants to be found. He, he wants to be seen as he is. What are some of the rewards that God gives to those who seek him and find him through Christ? I mean, he gives Jesus, he gives the Holy Spirit, he gives love, joy, peace, patience, he gives the scriptures, he gives prayer. He is a rewarder of those who seek him. Have you found God to be good to those who seek him? Yeah. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for. They're not here yet, but they're hoped for. And it's the conviction of things that can't be seen that I do trust. A lot of people say that that all we need then is blind faith. But it's not blind faith. It's not at all. In fact, when you look, part of the point of this chapter, remember where we are? This was written in 65 AD, and the writer of the book of Hebrews is writing to a group of Jews in the first century who were trying to get pulled out of the old covenant reliance on the law and all of the old covenant realities of which Christ is better. And he's drawing them to see that the cross changed everything. And he's drawing them forward to believe that. And while he mentions all of these people, Enoch, Moses, Noah, Sarah, Isaac, you know, 20 of them, in verse 13 he says of them, all of these died in faith, not having received things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles in the land. In other words, the writer of the book of Hebrews is saying all this great history of people in the Old Testament, they didn't receive the promises. Not the ultimate promises. In fact, in the most approximate uh, way, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, none of them entered the promised land. But all of the Old Testament saints we're just looking to God and trusting in him, but Jesus didn't come in their lifetime. Now in 65 AD, the writer of this book is saying, all of these died in faith, but they never received what was promised. So I want you to know, where are you in the history of all of this unfolding of the promise of God? You are on the other side of the cross. The book of Hebrews, chapter 11, looks back at all these people and they had so little compared to what we have in 2021 in our heads in the Bible. you agree? But what did they do with the word they had from God at that time? They believed the promise of God as the assurance of things that were hoped for and the conviction that what they couldn't see was really true and they lived on the basis of it. Then the promise was fulfilled with a greater sacrifice, greater blood, 
greater high priest, Jesus Christ, came, and here we are 2,000 years later, and how should our faith be? That's the question. They believed and never received the promise. You've received some of the promises. Christ has come. He did die for your sins. Your sins are forgiven. Their covering of their sins was always pointing forward to the ultimate sacrifice of Christ when he would die and cleanse them of their sins, and we've experienced that through the death of Christ. Get it? All this intended to say, so how's your faith? You see what they did with little they had by comparison of what we have today Should not our faith rise up within us and say, God has fulfilled his promise in Christ and there are more promises to come, eternal life that's coming, don't doubt it. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. For he who comes to God must believe that he does exist and he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. They died without receiving the things promised. Let's just talk about all of those people in, in this book. Abel, Noah, Abraham, uh, Moses, Sarah, Rahab, the prophets. They, they're all named there. How were they? Were they, were they perfect people? No. I mean, one of the things about the Old Testament when you go back and look at each one of these categories is all of these people were pretty broken people. And they blew it a lot. And that should make you feel good. It should make us feel like, okay, that was a real human being who trusted God and failed, trusted God and failed, and faith grew. I want to give you three principles that I hope will go away because I want this to be, I want you to go away from here thinking I can trust that God does exist. He is a rewarder of those who seek him. I want to seek him. Three principles. Number one. Faith is not blind. It's built. I'm going to explain that. Or it grows. All we know about faith is faith is a gift from God. Faith is a gift from God. Um, Faith comes by hearing. And uh, Ephesians chapter 2 By grace you've been saved through faith, not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. But faith is not blind. A lot of people think that faith is simply putting your trust in something outside of yourselves without any thought of it. In fact, we have these phrases, oh, you just have to have faith. You have to have blind belief. I don't think so. We say, well, if you just... Act contrary to what you know is true and hope beyond hope that it will work out the way you want it to. That's faith. That's stupid. (laughs) You know, that is just not smart. It's like you trust in something that you know is not true and just hope beyond hope beyond hope that it's going to work. How many of you have done that? What do you sense? Do you sense that you are the greatest in all the world? (laughs) That the world revolves around you? 
You stand on the edge of the Grand Canyon and you say, oh, Lord, my God, when I in awesome wonder consider all the worlds your hands have made. Or you're out at night and you see the stars and you hear the rolling thunder, his power throughout the universe displayed. Then what? I'm so great. <laughs> no. Because the universe is telling the glory of God. And faith sees that. Faith is informed by the evidence. From the creation of the world, God's eternal attributes, his divine nature, his eternal power can be seen by what is created, Romans 1 said. It is a signal. It is a piece of revelation that informs our faith. There is a God. He is there. Faith is not blind, it is informed by the truth of God, and it grows. Look at um, our, our text, verse 24, Moses, for example, by faith, Moses, when he grew up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. Just notice the contrast in that verse. Something in Moses helped him to make a decision to say, I will suffer to be with God's people rather than enjoy the passing pleasures of sin. Every person in this room, but if I could just have the ear of every young person in the room, you have set before you a decision to make. Right now, the pleasures of sin are all before you. And you're bombarded with the advertisement of them. And faith may, God willing, lead you to say, the pleasures of those sins are not worthy to be compared. If I'm with God and his people, even if we suffer, that's better than that. Why? Because there is a God I know he exists, and I know he's a rewarder of those who seek him. Faith is informed. It's not blind. Look at the next two verses, verse 26 and 27, and here's where I meant. For he considered. You're going to be considering today what I'm saying and whether or not it's true. You're thinking it through. Is it true that there is a God, and what difference does that make? Is it true that it rewards those who seek him, and what difference does that make? Moses considered, he thought it through, he looked at the evidence, and you want to look at all of the ways that God interjected himself in Moses' life, in a burning bush, with a staff, with a few plagues, with the Passover, with the crossing of the Red Sea. What do you think was happening to Moses' faith as he stepped each day? He's growing in faith. He considered, this is a beautiful statement, the reproach of Christ, wait, Christ wasn't there yet. No, but he had faith, and he was looking forward to the promise as if it was actually here. The reproach of Christ named with Moses. Everybody doesn't know this is 1,500 years before Christ. Moses thought of the reproach of Christ as greater treasures than the wealth of Egypt. And so he 
left by faith, Egypt. And he wasn't afraid of the anger of the king. You see, all of these signals of faith, I'm not afraid, I trust. I don't need the riches of this world, I need God. Um, I, I, I want Christ and nothing else. Faith is not blind. And if you don't know who God is, then I just want to call you to go back and start looking at the evidence found in this scripture so that you can be rooted deeply in that. That's my first principle. It's not blind. It's really informed in the truth of God. The second thing I would say to you is that faith is not idle. It's active. This is the conviction of things not seen. It's the action step because what I believe to be true. Faith has a response. So, I'll read a couple. Verse 4, Abel offered a sacrifice. Noah constructed an ark. Abraham obeyed and went out from Mesopotamia, not knowing where he was going. Abraham offered Isaac. Moses um, went out from Egypt. And look at verse 29 in your Bible, and this should be encouraging to you. By faith, what does it say? The people crossed the Red Sea. When you think of the people in the Old Testament who crossed the Red Sea, do you think they rise to the level of making it to the Hall of Fame in Hebrews chapter 11? They're there. That should make you feel encouraged. Because we think of the people as being grumbling, doubting, but by faith they crossed the Red Sea. They acted on it. And you say, well, I'm with the people sometime. And their hearts were up and down. But they're here. They crossed the Red Sea. Rahab gave a welcome to the spies. Others conquered kingdoms. Others enforced justice. At the end of the chapter, it describes all these unknown people doing unknown things. Listen, faith is active. I'm going to get to some action steps in a moment, but I just want you to know, faith is not something that you hold in your heart and it has no bearing on the way you live. In fact, I might actually say to you, um, faith without works is no faith. Right? You show me your faith without your works, I'll show you my faith by my works. Faith without works is dead. As a little reminder, all of Hebrews is a warning. Don't be those who don't have faith. Don't be those who shrink back. Don't be those who are dull to hear. Faith without steps of action is not faith. It's not idle. And the last truth I would say to you is I, I want you to know that faith is not heroic. It's ordinary. It's what all God's people have. I know some of the ways we distort chapter 11 is we think of these people and say, oh, they're so amazing. I could never do that. But then you look at the rest of the story and say, oh, yeah, I could, I could be like them in that regard. Their failures are like I get and they, they, they are not made to be heroes that only they do. 
They are there to spur us on to say there is a God who does exist and he rewards those. These are in many ways ordinary people. And at least at, when you come down to the end of the chapter, you see the ordinary people. I mean, I'll admit, Moses is one of my heroes. Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. I do look at Sarah and, you know, it says of her, she trusted God that she would conceive. And I look back and I say, well, that's part of this story there for Sarah. There was another little picture of her in there that you can go back and look at. This didn't quite portray all that faith in that moment. And I say, yeah, that's, that's where we are. They were ordinary people. Here's the verse I would show to you that they were ordinary. Look at verse 35. Some were tortured, refusing to accept release so that they might rise again to a better life. Others suffered mocking and flogging, even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned, verse 37. They were sawn in two. They were killed with the sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy, wandering about in the deserts and mountains and dens and caves on the earth. They're in here. They had faith. They didn't build an ark. They didn't cross the Red Sea. You know, they didn't get raptured into heaven. What did they do? They were sawn in two, destitute, and full of faith. I predict this is not the text that was in Joel Osteen's mind when he wrote Your Best Life Now. But it was their best life. Why? They trusted God exists. He's a rewarder. And though they slay me, Yet while I serve him. Who says that? They're, they're not named. Ordinary people. Ordinary people who trust God in the face of unbelievable challenges. Now, when I look at these ordinary people who did these extraordinary things and said, the promise of a resurrected life with God is better than rejecting God here to be saved from martyrdom, that faith is an awesome faith. And I just want to pull uh, left to right that history into our present. I don't think many of us are going to face this kind of difficulty in our life. I don't think we're ever going to be in the place um, we, we don't know. We might be. But our brothers and sisters around the world sure are being challenged by this kind of reject God or die, lose your head. That's happening. For us, our, our life here has to be lived by faith as well. With God as our refuge and our resource of faith, and we face that the world, the worst the world has to give to us, and we will be all right. These difficulties in the Bible make us think 
our struggles right now, we can endure. His rage we can endure if we will have faith in God in this moment. He exists. He rewards. His promises are sure. You want to take it down to real-life situations? Can we? Let's take it down to real-life situations for us in America. And if I can lean in for a minute and just say, do you have faith? Do you have faith, first of all, that Jesus can forgive you of your sins? His blood covers our sins, forgives our sins. I want to speak to you if you're feeling like you have blown it so badly with God in your life that you think God would never forgive you. I want to encourage you, you can believe that God will forgive you if you turn to Christ. It takes faith. Jesus Christ, I believe your sin covers, your blood covers my sin, and I trust in you. You believe that? I want to encourage you, do not walk out of here and say, I'm too far gone for God to forgive me. I remember a Christmas when somebody came into church and saw all of us standing together in our best clothes singing Christmas carols and just got overwhelmed because he believed that all the people singing these Christmas carols in their Christmas Eve clothes with the decorated room were a different kind of category than him and he didn't belong here. And he left and said, I'm I don't belong with this group. You belong here, okay? We're all sinners, broken, but by faith we believe Jesus paid for our sins and covered us all. You believe that? Okay, you need to have faith. Believe that God did what he said he did in his son Christ. We get a little closer. Do you have faith about money? Do you have faith about money? Do you believe what God says about money and you have his informed perspective on money that you live by because your faith in God's word about money is the assurance that what he says about money is true and you live your life on the conviction of what God says so you have faith with regard to money. Do you? Well, do you know that all that you have comes from God? Do you know that God says, honor me with the first of your produce? Do you know that why do you worry about these things? Uh, Your heavenly Father knows you have need of all of these things. Do you know that Jesus said it's more blessed to give than to receive? Do you know that when a man has much, his life does not even consist of the things he possesses? Therefore, lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, not on the earth, where moths and rust will not corrupt. Make, go and sell your possessions. Give to charity. That you may have a money belt in heaven that will never be lost. Still with me? 
Okay, this is like I, I have faith about my money. And I don't have enough of it by the world's standards. But I have more than I need. And I know who gives it to me. And I know that he's to be honored first in it. What am I doing? I'm just trying to bring you back to what if faith really was the assurance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen? Could you act in life the way we say we believe? Did you talk about sex? In America and many places around the world, what does God say and faith in what God says is the assurance that what he has said about sex is literally what I believe for my life. And then I act on what God has said because I have faith that what God has said about that area of my life is what God wants for me, and the conviction is if I live according to that, that's where blessing follows. So, when I say that God says the only sexual relationship affirmed in the Bible is a loving relationship, a loving monogamous marriage between a man and a woman, like, I live that. Why? Because I believe. I have faith in that. And when it comes to other suggestions that are all about us about sexual ethics, I know that every other sexual relationship outside of what God's prescription is is an offense to him, and it wages war against my own soul. Even though the world is saying, go for it, it literally is an offense to God and it hurts my life. Blessed are the pure in heart, they shall see God. Pursue holiness without which no one will see the Lord. When God talks about a category, faith says that is true, therefore the conviction of my life is I live it out because I believe God is there and he's a rewarder of those who seek him. See how you can... Take faith and put it to every area of your life, and isn't it fun? <laughs> Let's talk about one more. Uh, I'd like to talk about five more. It, two more. You talk about marriage related to sexuality, but do you believe what God says about marriage? A man and a woman, monogamous relationship for life. What does it say about Husbands loving in a sacrificial way. Wives honoring in a sacrificial way. Marriages are in trouble. And we need faith in our marriages. Marriage is hard. What has God said? How can a husband love his wife? How can a wife love her husband? You, you believe what God has said, it becomes the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction, I believe that. What about sickness and death? Anybody afraid of COVID? Anybody around us fearful of dying? What does the assurance of things that God has said 
lead to in life. I'm persuaded that neither life nor death will separate me from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions, many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you, I'm going to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again to receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. When you die, what's that? I hold to that. Hey, do I walk through the valley of the shadow of death? I will. Fear no evil. Why? You are with me. You exist. You're with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He restores my soul. What does the word of God say about death? To be absent from this body is to be present with the Lord. For me to live is Christ. To die is gain. He who believes in the Son has life and is past from death to life. He who does not believe in the Son the wrath of God abides on him. You see how much faith touches every area of our life? This chapter is to say to all of us, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. God does exist. He rewards those who seek him. I want to call you to believe. Can you believe God more because you were here today? I want you to put belief and faith in God in the categories of your life where you're most unlikely to trust him and just say, God, strengthen my faith. You are the one. I I want to close by saying this. We don't look at all these heroes. We look at the one the heroes look to, and that's next week, looking to Jesus. Let's pray together. Lord, I thank you that today... We walk by faith. And we know that the promises that came to these Old Testament saints, uh, they never really saw them in fulfillment the way we have witnessed after the cross. But we know that the promises of God that they waited for and never saw in reality, they believed as if they were as certain as ever. So I pray that you will deeply anchor our hearts to know as certain as they did that, we would believe that you are who you say you are. You have given eternal life. It is the gift of God for those who believe in Jesus. And I pray you will awaken faith in our hearts that these many blessings that you have for us as the rewarder of those who seek you would come like a fountain into our lives that we would not waver in unbelief but we would believe in the Lord with all our heart. Come thou fount of every blessing just tune us again to sing your praise. Point us back to you to believe in the Lord with all our heart. I pray for anybody who's here today who has never yet believed that Jesus paid it all. I pray you'll open their heart to believe in Christ. I pray for everyone who's struggling in a domain of life to believe that what you've said is true. I pray you'll awaken faith for them. I pray for all of us, Lord, to please you. 
knowing that without faith it is impossible to do so. So we say, Lord, we believe. Help our unbelief. In Jesus' name, amen.